You're listening to the Crowdfunding Nerds Podcast, a podcast that will help you succeed before, during, and after your crowdfunding event. And now, here is your host, Andrew Lowen. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. This is not Andrew Lowen, this is Sean, because Andrew is away on a conference. And we're too cheap to record a new intro for the podcast just for him not being here. So this is what we're doing. <laughs> so this week's episode episodes topic, I can't talk today. It's just not working for me today. We're going to be going over a couple things. First of all, we're going to go over some really crazy news with PayPal. Ooh. And then we're going to talk about self-promotion because we're selfish and we like to promote. And we're going to talk about some uh, mistakes you can make and some also some ideas um, that will help you in your organic self-promotion journey through your Kickstarter campaign. And now it's time for Nerd News! PayPal pulls back, says it won't find customers 2500 for misinformation after backlash. Oh, they changed the uh, changed the titles. I, just, I guess this is how the internet works these days. Uh, at the beginning of the week, there was a different title, and then PayPal responded, and they've changed the title of, of the article. Yeah, if it was blockchain, they wouldn't be able to do that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Now, news is always like that. News is always ever-changing. Well, I guess we should start at the beginning. Uh, PayPal does a misinformation policy where, uh, I, now, I don't know all the details of it. I just know that, you know, if they don't like what you say, they might fine you like $2,500 or something like that. What's what's the details on that? Yeah, so they've updated their, their policy that if they find that you have publicly communicated misinformation, whatever that means, then they will automatically find you fine you two thousand five hundred dollars per incident. So you know you, if you say four things which they perceive to be factually inaccurate, well then it's a lot of money out of your bank account. And this is so a lot of people are now disconnecting themselves from PayPal completely because they don't want anything like this to sort of automatically happen. I just went on Reddit and the amount of people you type in PayPal and everyone's like shutting down my PayPal account, shutting down my PayPal account. So there was a huge backlash to this. Um, even like I had my mom so they're messaging me, I closed my PayPal account. Like, okay. <laughs> so yeah, a lot of people are shutting down their PayPal accounts as a response to this. It's interesting because, I mean, they are a a company that handles money, but they're not quite a bank. However, they do run as a financial institution, which makes me wonder how, I mean, I guess, I mean, they have lawyers, I'm assuming that are, you know, they're, they're, they got a lot of money over there, so they must know what they're doing but i think there's there'd be some really big lawsuits against that if it actually happened in the u.s from an employer employee standpoint an employer cannot take an employee's wages even if they f up like if they f up you can fire them you know do whatever but you can't take their wages away for the hours they worked you can't like say oh i'm gonna take you know i'm you're losing your hours because you messed up it's not legal so in the same case here this is money that's being transferred for the promise of goods or services that's what PayPal does. They're an intermediate, intermediate, intermediate I can't, that's not even a word intermediary <laughs> um, that handles these. Yes. These transactions, which are considered contractual fulfillments in most cases. And then they take it away or take money that you don't have away. And I'm thinking, I don't think that's going to be cool, but yeah. So a lot of people have uh, been deleting their apps, their uh, PayPal, closing their PayPal accounts hate to say it, but we're going the wrong way. I should be able to say what I want. And if you don't like it, you don't listen to it. 
you know, like like this horrible podcast we have. If you don't like it, you listen <laughs> to the other podcasts, whatever they are. I have no idea what they are. But uh, but if you like us, you listen to us. That's how it goes. Yeah, this kind of, uh, you know, censorship and fining is crazy. In fact, uh, you know, Twitter has, has done a lot of censorship. You know, all these social media companies have been doing censorship where they've been, you know, marking things as, as fake, false news. And then like six months later, they, you know, the, the, the thing that they marked as fake is actually researched and found out it's true. But yeah, you know, exactly the so. person that said it is now banned from Twitter, blocked. So, I mean, does this work both ways? Can we find PayPal for just being dumb? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guarantee if this if some, a system like this was to be introduced, it would be like Facebook where they would use AI to detect this. So there'd be no recourse. It'd just be, our oh, AI has detected that you've been conducting misinformation, automatically find. And as you say, what if the misinformation, quote unquote, changes? They're not going to refund you, guarantee you. So it's just, <laughs> it just seems like a quite dystopian, um, actually. It kind of reminds me of the Middle Ages where you had a, like this massive institution called the Roman Catholic Church. You would kind of mark heresy. And, like they would like, you'd be banished for heresy. And it's kind of like the same thing. Whereas like the PayPal has turned into like a religious organization. They determine what is true. And it's like, we'll banish you <laughs> from society if you go against our doctrine. Imagine how disastrous this could be if you were a small business. Like that $2,500 could be, that could make or break you. You know, they just take that out. Now I'm out of business. I've literally got to close shop. So yep, it's, yep. Uh, I think one thing it really highlights is these terms of services that these big tech companies get you to sign are meaningless because they always have a clause. We can change this at any time. Um, yep. Which is also pretty meaningless because usually you design something which says that you um, indemnify them, which means that they're not responsible for yep. your actions. If you do something that harms their business, they're not responsible. So sometimes this isn't even necessary because usually you, they've indemnified themselves from your actions using their software, using their platforms. Yeah, that's a lot of problem with their with their legal terms. In fact, you know, us humans are are, are known to you scroll by the terms of service and hit OK and not read them at all. Um, which, you know, could be a bad or good thing, depending on what you're doing. But at the same time, like when you look at software companies and online brands, their their terms of service literally say, like, for example, let's just use Microsoft Windows, for example, because almost everybody has Microsoft Windows, unless you're cool like me and have Linux or, or something else. Um, Microsoft literally states that even though you bought the so let's say you go to the store and buy a copy of Windows 11 or, well, that's junk, but Windows something. <laughs> <laughs> windows me yes you know you pay like i think they charge anywhere from like a hundred to two hundred dollars you know depending on like home or student or a pro or whatever and you take it home well when you buy something from a store it's like and you get the the box it's like it's you feel like you're buying it but if you read the terms of service you're not buying nothing you have no rights to that product except for to use it and if you if if you read the terms of service pretty much you're just you're sort of just borrowing it and mm-hmm. uh, the Microsoft or whatever company you you, you bought it from, <laughs> borrowed it from, rented it from, um, can take that right away at any time, according to their terms of service. Um, and of course, if anything goes wrong with your with your hardware because their software is not their fault, according to the terms of service. But of course, if you do something that messes up their software, it's your fault. So it's all one way. It's all you know. There's no such thing as ownership. In fact, a lot of uh, companies now do monthly. In fact, I just call it rentals, monthly rentals. You know, if you want to do that lovely drawing tool that everyone uses or photo tool that everyone uses, you know, on their computer, you can't buy it. You have to pay a monthly fee for it now. And of course, they also use that as an advantage to 
uh, get you to use or rent their other products you don't want by bundling them. Oh, if you pay this much money, which is our minimum you know, monthly payment, you also get these other things that no one else wants to use, but you have to get them because it's part of our bundle. You mentioned Photoshop, but it's interesting when, when, I, I, was creating, <laughs> when, I, was, when I was creating the, uh, the graphic for already went, went to spend $10,000 on a Kickstarter video. I got a just like stock footage of um, US dollar bills and hundred dollar bills. And I put it into Photoshop to web optimize it. So, you know, be compressed and load fast on the website. As I brought it in, I got this pop-up saying, you're not allowed to edit currency on Photoshop. I was like, what? <laughs> There's just pinpoint proof that they're spying on what you're creating within these softwares. You know, how, how is it able to know that I'm importing dollar bills and about to tweak it? You know, and it's like, again, this error message. Sorry. Like, is this some type of dystopian future where you're trying to create like a poster that speaks against like the people in power? Like, sorry, you're not able to create this poster against the people who are in power. Yeah, <laughs> now the police are coming know, to your house. It's like, it makes some really crazy sci-fi film. I'm going to say it's a good thing you don't live in the U.S. because probably the system not only warned you, but it probably pinged your address over to them and they just forward that to like the government. You know, yeah, I'd be on some list. I think what we can learn from this, don't trust big tech. Those user agreements are pretty much meaningless. The other thing is privacy is important. Now, one thing is that the sort of founders of PayPal have actually publicly come out and condemned this terms of service. So uh, David Marcus uh, has said this on Twitter. It's hard for me to openly criticize a company I used to love and gave so much to. PayPal's new AUP goes against everything I believe in. A private company now gets to decide to take your money if you say something they disagree with insanity. And then you had Elon Musk reply to that saying, I agree. And obviously he's a, one of the founding members of PayPal as well. So the people who sort of created PayPal <laughs> um, have publicly come out and condemned this behavior, which is nice to see that there's some type of sort of support for that kind of, I suppose, sanity is, is the word I'm looking for. And another good news is there's a good, there's a lot of competition in this field. There's a lot of other options besides PayPal now. PayPal was the original, pretty much sort of the original for the U.S., it was, you know, it's solo contender for a while, but now there's a lot of options you could choose from where you don't have to use, you know, PayPal. Like, of course, I always see people using Venmo, Venmo me, you know, so there's always other options to choose from. And that's what I love about. I think, I think PayPal owns Venmo. Oh, darn it. So I think the alternative is Stripe. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's funny because there is, you know, when does, when does a company become a monopoly is, I guess, the real question. You know, for example, there's a big, large uh, company, U.S. grocery market company called Kroger. And they own quite a few different grocery stores. Like they own uh, Rouse, Food for Less, Fries. There's a whole bunch of chains, Lucky. Anyway, overall in the country, you know, they have a good chunk, but they don't own enough. But like in my part of the country, like every store is literally owned by Kroger. In competition wise, it's sort of like lacking. In fact, they just, uh, I believe they're now uh, in the process of purchasing Albertsons, which is like one of the other uh Albertsons and Vons are are owned together. They're like the only two other markets in my in my area that aren't owned by Kroger that are going to be bought by Kroger. So literally, almost every market, major supermarket in my in my neighborhood is is owned by one company. So that's yeah, a little interesting there. Well, even going back to this David David Marcus quote, he says a private company does not get to decide to take your money. Well, technically yes. speaking, it's not your money. Technically, it belongs to the bank, the private bank, which. In the states is the the Federal Reserve, and in the UK here it's the centralized Bank of England. So it's technically their money. They get you, you. They give you the privilege to use their currency. So I think the only really alternative is a private decentralized cryptocurrency 
like Monero. So that's the one I'm I'm sort of I'm betting on <laughs> that, I, that I think is going to be the future of finance. I think these uh, dodgy dodgy fiat is going to eventually die. <laughs> we're gonna we're, we're almost at a point in in the world where we're we're just regressing, and I, I have a feeling we're going to start like the barter system again. It's like, oh, oh yeah. you want Probably. this? You're going to have to trade because <laughs> money's not worth anything anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's been so devalued. So talking about pi- privacy, I came across a social media site called Panquakes, and Rich and I have been discussing this. Uh, the reason I'm bringing it up because they're they're currently crowdfunding, trying to raise funds to get it um, out of beta and on its feet. An interesting system. It runs a, a social media network on blockchain. So the idea is that you post something and it's technically posted on a, a blockchain. So it's there permanently. And then it's sort of censorship proof. And it means that, well, it's there permanently, but also means that no one can shadow ban it or secretly suppress that messaging. So it's the way they're, they're sort of advertising. They're sort of their marketing pitches that, hey, this is a platform for free speech. You can share what you believe and what, what your convictions are. And there's no sort of big tech company uh, determining whether that is uh, right or wrong. <laughs> It's yeah. It's also in a way because it's using blockchain. It's it's supposed to be sort of decentralized, um, and I believe all of, like your data is stored on your phone app. I think is what it is. Like your your stuff that you post or or share is store, stored yes, only on your locally. on your locally on your app, and then it's also on the blockchain. I I like the idea of having a decentralized network. However, with this one with using blockchain, I'm not a big fan of blockchain yet. I haven't been convinced uh, enough. Uh, to, to, to be a big fan of blockchain. But however, like for example, um, they are touting a lot about privacy. And with blockchain, there really isn't, I mean, you can have a, almost anonymity, but you can't have privacy. And like, for example, I was discussing how like, let's say, you know, if you, know, if you, if you, if you, you respect your privacy or respect others' privacy, and let's say they change their mind about a thought and an idea, they should be able to take that away or make it go away. Um, in fact, uh, a lot of the uh, new laws and regulations going around the world on search engines are making them, especially in, I believe, EU, um, are forcing search engines to remove private information if it's asked to be removed. I've seen a lot of people, uh, you know, in the U.S., we have public records. Um, you can search for things. However, it's also they appear on search engines. So anyone can literally go to Google and be like, oh, what's the address of so and so or what's their private, you know, whatever. And you can find it. And uh, a lot of. European uh, nations are not agreeing with that, and they're uh, putting in programs where you the search engines must remove upon request. And I believe it's also starting to happen here in the U.S. as well. This 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 new uh, Kickstarter uh, social media program, um, Pan- Panquakes, right? I always Panquakes, yeah, of, makes me hungry, makes me want breakfast. Uh, Panquakes, and I believe when you post something, it's called a quake. Um, like yeah, so I think the idea is that when you when you post, it kind of gets stacked on top of each other. So there's yes. no kind of like yeah. feed manipulation. So that's what I, I suppose the, where the name comes from. But at the same time, if you post something, <laughs> it's like set in stone for life because it's using blockchain. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of people out there recording the blockchain um, and the blockchain just lives on forever. <laughs> forever and ever. So, yeah. So I would love to see a decentralized social network where like, like, for example, like I like the idea where it's like your information is saved on your own, either your own website or your own phone or your own device. And then people can subscribe to you. And the way they subscribe is you share your special link or code to that database of yours. 
um, and then they can access it through there like a subscription. And then, of course, you have full control over your stuff. So if you don't want pe- your pictures going out anymore, you can instantly delete them and they won't be available. You know, if you, want, you have things you, you, you change your stance on, you can be able to delete them and then re, you know, state a new stance or whatever, where you have total control of your privacy and content. That's what I would like to see. Maybe I'll make it one of these days. Sean and I will sit here and we'll make our own little Sh- Shawnee and Rick social network. <laughs> There's another social media site um, that uses uh, blockchain, which is trying to do something similar. I don't know if they're focused on privacy, but it's called Zion that I've, I've seen advertised. I haven't looked too much into it other than that, but I know there are a couple kind of popping up new social media sites. And the way I see it is, hey, the more competition, the better. Yep. Um, yep. You know, I think it's just going to make other uh, sites better. It might make them change. And so... I always think that's good. But in terms of blockchain, um, you might be interested in the the protocol that runs XMR Monero because that that is on a blockchain and they've set it up and configured in such a way that it's end-to-end encrypted. So it hides the sender and user addresses. So that's an interesting... So you might see more of that type of technology being used in the future. As you said, if you want something a bit more private in terms of a social media site. So in other news, we are pretty much near the completion of our Kickstarter course and this is going to be a a deep dive into the sort of nuts and bolts of creating your pre-marketing campaign we cover things which you can't really cover in the podcast like setting up your facebook ad account setting up your pixel like a step-by-step guide creating your ads how to diagnose their problems we've kind of touched on some of these topics in, in the podcast but this is really a succinct step-by-step this is what you do so I'm just going to get, read an outline of the, the modules of the course just to give you an idea of what it's about. And we're obviously going to have more information about this closer to the time of launch. We do hope to get this out before Christmas. So you will hear of this again. So if you want more updates, make sure to join the crowdfunding notes email. And then because we will be announcing it there. And then also the Facebook group, which we'll put links in the show notes for both of those. The, the opening course is what you will learn, which is just a little lecture by Andrew who kind of covers what you will learn. It's pretty simple. And then there's an introductory quiz. So as you go through this course, there's going to be quizzes at the end of each video. And the idea is that all the questions through the entire course will be at the beginning of the course so that you can be primed for what you're about to learn, but also so that you can compare the the results you have before you start the course to after you had the course. So the idea is that you're going to be primed. You're then you're going to do the entire course, doing all the questions as you go through. And at the end of the course, you'll be doing the entire quiz again. And then you should be able to compare, well, my results from when I first started to afterwards. And then hopefully you have a good idea of how much you learned. It'll help you obviously retain that information. But then also be a cool little stat. You can say, oh, I, I improved my score by 50% or 70% or whatever. So it's going to something you can actually measure like i actually learned something which is a a neat feature so after the introduction we have a a lecture by andrew must know lecture before starting your facebook ad so before you run your your facebook ads we you're going to be watching a lecture about the virtuous cycle and andrew has a breakdown of that we've obviously covered it on this podcast already we'll put a link in the show notes for it but this is just a real breakdown with a bunch of links and and things to help get that set up the next module is all about your facebook ads how to set up your ad account looking at your landing page and and configuring that setting up your facebook pixel so it's all very sort of heavily technical stuff setting up your ad campaign tips for creating ads for board games specifically ones which we have tried and tested so we 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 really reveal we don't hold anything back we just this is everything that we've tried and tested ourselves as an agency and we just kind of lay everything on the table 
And then we, we finished that section off with Facebook diagnosis, how to diagnose your ads and if they're working. And that's that's the most important part, <laughs> making sure your ads work. <laughs> yeah, so once you have them set up, we also then coach you on how to diagnose them, see if what's working, what isn't working, and, and suggestions of things that you can change. Then we move on to must-know lectures before launching on Kickstarter. So these are things that you need to, once you have your ad account, ad set up, these are things that you need to know before actually launching on Kickstarter. So we talk about community engagement, which we're going to talk about on this podcast with self-promotion. So this is kind of organic marketing, how to kind of get your fan base excited about your project coming up to Kickstarter. We then talk about Kickstarter page hygiene factors, which we've obviously covered on the podcast as well, link in the show notes. And then we talk about the 4.5 outcomes to Kickstarter. So these are just lectures, uh, it's probably more spe uh, specified lectures on those topics. Again, with uh, with a quiz, quiz questions to help you take in that information and then all the links and resources that you would need to go into those areas in a sort of deeper, deeper way. And then finally, we have the what's next and we have the, the final, final quiz for people to take. And then we have the crowdfunding nerds community where there's a, a call to join the crowdfunding nerds Facebook group, which you haven't joined already. You really should join because there's a bunch of people in there sharing lots of useful information as a great place to just bounce ideas off people or get recommendations. If you're, if you have any questions or if you're interested in this, then just let us know in the Facebook group. We'd be happy to answer any questions you might have. Right. So I suppose now it's time to get into the topic at hand, which is a mess about yourself. I mean, uh, self-promoting mistakes and not mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> so we recently wrote an article on the crowdfunding nodes website, self-promotion mistakes, avoid these pitfalls for effective organic marketing. This is really just a compilation of some of the mistakes we've seen our clients make, but also mistakes we've personally made. We sort of just compiled it all into this article and it's sort of re real world examples of what not to do when promoting yourself online. Richard, do you have any tales of failed self-promotion? Well, I mean, I'm 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 one of those. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too selfish to to self-promote. Uh, it's all about me, 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 me. Uh, well, let's. I mean, let's uh, let's go ahead and just jump in. The first thing, the first thing on the article is the I must die, and I'm very bad because, like I said, I'm very selfish. I like to talk about me all the time. In fact, if this if Sean wasn't here, this podcast would be the SEO Wizard Rick podcast, and we would just talk about whatever I wanted to talk about. And so we would be talking about my adventure dungeon game that's coming out, and we'd be talking about you know all the fun joys of Taco Bell. But anyway, so when it's the thing is, is when you are marketing your product or service, or in this case, pre-marketing your Kickstarter launch, you need to get your community involved, or you know, build and get your community involved. And to do that, you can't, it can't be your, I mean, it is your baby. It's always going to be your baby, but you got to like share, you got to share with your tribe. Your child now becomes everyone's child. Um, so when you promote things or when you promote it, you know, you want to make sure that your, your uh, people who are, are reading or listening or watching or whatever on your social media are involved where you give, allow them to give input. You allow them to help you on your way. In fact, you know, one of the things we talked about a lot is like, if you're posting on Facebook, you don't be like, Oh, here's my game. Here's my link. Here you go. And then spam, you know, which is the next one. But uh, you, you know, if you, if you want to get people involved to say, Hey, you know, we just made this cool character for a board game. This is the character. What do you think about it? You know, is there something we should change? Are there any pitfalls about doing this? So yeah, you want to get the eye out of it and get 
we into it. Yeah, so you want to make your posts about the people you're trying to reach, not about yourself. So a lot of the mistakes I see by new creators is that they sort of just make an announcement of something they've done. So, hey guys, I just created a YouTube channel. Check it out. It's like, no one cares. You just created a YouTube channel because- Everyone creates a YouTube channel. Exactly. <laughs> no one can create a YouTube channel. It's like saying, hey, I just made a post on Facebook. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> you know, anyone can do those things. Like, hey, I just, I just started tweeted. a podcast. <laughs> hey, I just started a blog. Hey, I just wrote a book. You know, like you can put anything in there. Hey, I just created a game. Anyone can do those things. So why should people care? You almost have to be quite cynical. Like why, why would people care about what I'm about to say? And try to put yourself in, a, in the shoes of other people and be a bit cynical and say, well, how can I serve people with my content? What can I say? Instead of saying, hey, I've just created a, a game, maybe say, hey, this is what I've learned from starting from game design in the past six months. And that way you're promoting your game but it's going to be helpful to other game designers or maybe like, Hey, this is what I found really frustrating in certain types of game. I remedied this by creating my own game. And maybe you have that same frustration and kind of switch changing how you frame your social media posts. You're going to have far better success doing that than making it about yourself and how wonderful you are and all the things that you've, especially you've if you do any posts on Reddit. <laughs> oh boy. Um, Reddit, Reddit just auto bans you. Like it doesn't even matter what you post. It's like sorry, you don't have enough so karma. Many, Go away. <laughs> it's like okay. There's funny. so many bots now on Reddit too. Yeah, you're right. Every time someone posts something, it's like oh, this is your friendly AI bot. Anyway, yeah, especially on Reddit. Reddit is you, if it's like the a holes of the internet are in one spot right there. And uh, <laughs> if you post something very selfish, they're gonna they're just gonna bomb you. In fact, uh, Reddit is one of my favorite organic marketing techniques. If you use Reddit right, like you want to treat Reddit like a tabloid. <laughs> <laughs> you got to have this tabloid angle when you post on Reddit. You know, you can't just say, hey, I made a cool game. Like, you know, like Sean was saying, because everyone was like, so who cares? It doesn't affect me. You want to be like a uh, couple makes game and then like they fall in love or two people make a game and fall in love through. It. You know, you have to like throw something in there like have, have how this one how this one mechanic in this brand new game caused world war three. You know, if you have something like that, <laughs> you're good on Reddit, <laughs> but you got to have something. One of our community members, uh, woman Lee wrote a very good article about this. We'll include in the show notes, show notes, how to promote, how to properly market on Reddit and get over a million views. So he talks about how he's marketed on Reddit. And what's what one neat thing about Reddit is that it does tell you certain metrics that other social media sites don't tell you. So how many people you've reached, what's the sort of ratio of upvotes versus downvotes, um, have, how many people have shared it. So those are all very interesting metrics. If you are seeking to reach lots of people and get better at the platform, it can, you can kind of like learn the system. But yeah, Reddit is a pretty, I, I think there is this unfortunately toxic community of hatred of self-promotion, which is unfortunate because it's really destroyed any kind of advertising on the platform. You've paid, there's even paid advertising. Um, any type of paid ads just get bombed and get flamed. So um, we've had no success ever running paid ads for different campaigns for any of our clients using Reddit. It's usually like the last thing we would ever try. That, that's unfortunate. So, but there is an opportunity to do some type of self-promotion on Reddit. You have to be very intentional and you have to be uh, it's a very, very slow process. I've even found on Reddit that if you're part of certain, like some subreddits are like at war with other subreddits. So if you're part of one subreddit, you just automatically get banned from another one. It's like, what? What's happening? This is such a, such a crazy <laughs> place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's crazy. So yeah, Reddit is uh, kind of like the Wild West of self-promotion. You got to be careful. You might get shot, but um, it can be quite fruitful if done right. And speaking of uh, promoting stuff that no one wants to hear, this sort of leads into our second one, which is spam. 
Spam, 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 spam. We get this all the time on our our our, uh, our Facebook group we have, our crowdfunding nerds community. Our crowdfunding. If you join our crowdfunding nerds community, the idea is that you know you you join the community to get help, and we do allow those who are involved in our community to post about their Kickstarter. You know, do a little self promotion. Um, but the rules that we have, like in our group, is <laughs> you have to be involved in our group. You know, to post your self promotion. You can't just join and promote and then disappear. I get a little I get a little cranky and then I start deleting people and and posts when that happened. So if you if you did that in our community, you disappeared. That's that was I try to be a bit more patient, especially if it's like you can tell it's a new person who's new to self-promotion. I try to be patient and say, okay, I've been there as well. And I I always try to give feedback. Say, hey, there's a reason why this page, this post got no engagement. You just pointed out, look, like no one liked this post. There's no comments. And the reason is because X, Y, and Z here, listen to this podcast we did on this topic. So I always try and educate people because I think a lot of times it's done um, just out of ignorance and it's, it's done. It it comes from a good, good place. And I don't want to, I want to like encourage and help people become better at what they're trying to do. And that's what the group is for. So sometimes I I do step in and try and help people with those posts, but obviously some people, sometimes that's just not well received because they're literally, there just the like link link drop and go away they literally, literally don't care yeah. and they don't even care about improving so that you can't really remedy that kind of attitude. Like, look your profile was made last week and all it has is ads about your game <laughs> uh <laughs> but it's facebook so facebook can be a really great opportunity for organic traffic for you as long as you don't spam and then of course you know there's a couple different areas where you can actually do very well one is if you do have a budget we're not going to really talk about that because we're going to do more organic. Of course, you do paid ads and you find the the uh, the values that people would be interested in that are similar to your game. So, of course, board game people are into Kickstarter, people are into board games. And if it's a zombie game, you want zombie fans, things like that. The other one is, of course, you need to start your own Facebook group. Also, there are even though there are groups that don't allow it, there are tons of groups on Facebook that do allow you to promote your kickstarter or crowdfunding project um as long as you follow the rules and like i said we we allow it um there's also one called board games launching on kickstarter literally their group is called board games launching on kickstarter (laughs) you can't get even more specific than that usually those groups have pretty bad um, engagement though because everyone's there just dumping their links and going away so those those don't tend to be quite fruitful that's true but however though you know how i found them searching google yes so it's good for seo <laughs> so yeah. even though people in the group may not i mean they so yeah you want to go in groups that allow <laughs> to advertise don't spam don't spam and when you do the group may not respond but what a lot of people don't realize is that google loves facebook you know all the big all the big sites on the internet google loves you know wikipedia facebook you name it they love it it discriminates google is yes. a system of discrimination <laughs> Go big or go home. (laughs) What about the little guy, Google? What about the little guy? Yeah, your post will actually get indexed through Google. So if you post and use good keywords in your Facebook uh, post, it should get picked up by Google. And then that also adds to people just looking randomly on, on, on search engines. So yeah, so don't spam. But when you do advertise, you know, do it right. So I think one of the most grievous forms of spam is like a, a DM, direct message. You know, you often, we often get this on Facebook where someone adds you as a friend. First thing they do is message you. It's like, hey, I'm creating a game. Here's my Kickstarter. It's like, you know, that's never going to work. People are going to be very put off by that. That does come across as very spammy. And I think the key is to be authentic. If, try to think 
even though you're online and the internet, it's difficult to think of people behind the, those screens as actual people. It's easy to think of them as numbers. Try to think of them as actual people. If you were to meet someone face-to-face, -face, you're not going to say, hey, my name is this. Here's my game. <laughs> you know, you're going to have a, a conversation with them, maybe get to know them a little bit. And then eventually you will bring bring up the fact that you have a a, a game on Kickstarter or, or something or you're you know working on a project. It will happen organically or naturally because you're passionate about it. And if you're really jiving with this person, well, then eventually the things that you're passionate about will, will come up in the conversation. So that's what I recommend. Be careful of messaging your closest friends saying, hey, back my my game and getting annoyed that if they don't back it, well, it's because you wouldn't do that in real life. You wouldn't do that face-to-face. -face. And it, maybe you would, and you'd probably lose your friends pretty quickly. So you want to be, be careful. Don't, don't burn bridges. <laughs> one of the things that always bugs me, and that leads us to our, our, our next one, is the, uh, I call it the people who do not read anything and just post whatever they want and say, well, it's not right. Don't, uh, don't or delete this. If you're an admin, delete this. Uh, the delete, delete. How did you write this? Delete the delete if not allowed from your life. Delete, delete if not allowed from your life. Yes. <laughs> Which, oh, I hate this one. I'm, I'm a member of many Facebook groups myself. Um, I don't post much in Facebook, but I do. There are, you know, certain topics and groups in my life that I really like. And that's, those are my passions. Like I was saying earlier, how, you know, Taco Bell. Yeah, Taco Bell. Taco Bell. Is, is there a Taco Bell Facebook group? And, you know, I, I'm not a member of a Taco Bell Facebook group. I am. You should create one. <laughs> They're probably. <laughs> Save the Chalupa. But anyway, um, there's a lot of times, well, I'll be on one of these groups and someone will be like, well, admins, please delete this if not allowed, but I'm going to say this. And they say or sell or do whatever, promote whatever they want to promote or say whether they want to sell. And of Usually course, it's an excuse to to be spammy. <laughs> it's like, yes. hey, do you have to spam me? I'm about to spam. <laughs> you know, the key is is the admins should be on your side. They should be your friends. So, there's some groups and some subreddits, the admins are just not going to be with you. Then they they have a different goal of the group, and you can't change that. So, if you find that you're just you know butting heads with the admins a lot, probably means you're in the wrong group, and it's just not a good fit. And um, that's not going to be a fruitful place to go anyway. So don't, if you, if, if you're finding you're having to fight admins to get your stuff seen, and even if you're, you're adding quality posts to the, to the group, go somewhere else. It's not, it's not the right place to be. So you might need to, you know, jump around a bit until you find a, a space where you feel comfortable and you're talking to people who get it and admins that are supportive of what you're doing. So always make sure to read the rules and do what they say. If you don't agree with the rules, go somewhere else. If, if you're not sure of something, send a message. Be like, hey, admins, I'm not sure if I could do this. So I just want to ask you before I do it. Let me know. <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, yeah, be no patient problem. because you probably won't get an answer. <laughs> that's that's be my experience from yeah. group admins. <clears throat> and that's and that's a really big thing, which I don't think is in the article, but like we really probably is the one that we need to add. It'll be it'll be number six. Um, we'll just skip a few to number six now. That's the <laughs> bonus, bonus, bonus one. Patience. Patience, patience, patience in everything you do. So the next one on our list is memes are not for selling. And this is a, a, a meme from Lord of the Rings. They're not for eating. So you know, memes are not for, for selling. <laughs> and really this what this has to do with is with bait and switch. So this is particularly true on Facebook. There's a lot of meme pages or meme meme sites where all they do is they create memes and they, they're through humor. They're trying to, obviously they go on a lots of social interactions. That's how the, these platforms sort of work and they, their stuff gets pushed out more. And then what they hope to do by creating 
you know, this humorous content, they then seek to sell something. And this is a complete bait and switch because you're, you're drawing people in with, you know, comedy and then suddenly it's like, hey, buy my t-shirt or buy my, my cup, which has nothing to do with the content that people have come to you for. So it's not a very effective way and it's it's disingenuous. And I think it, it deters people. So be very careful of bait, bait and switch. You always want to be, again, authentic and you don't want to do anything that can be perceived as sleazy or, or spammy or kind of cheap. So be careful with bait and switch. Always be transparent, be honest, be upfront, be human. Yeah. In fact, uh, things like memes or, or, you know, like funny cat videos and pictures and things like that. The only thing that the only place that benefits that is the platform they're on. So if you're posting memes on Facebook, the only thing that's winning is Facebook because they're getting the extra airtime on their platform. Um, A lot of people have made websites like, like funnycatvideos.com and don't go there i have no idea that's a real site or not it could be something yeah. else. <laughs> and you know they have like their slides or their videos and they're not making money off of like random products they're making money off of eyes on their their site so they're getting mm-hmm. um you know the people are staying on their display site ads. on their platform and they're they're selling display ads is what they're usually doing in fact sometimes you'll click on a you know, a thing from Facebook, all of a sudden it's like this like page of like 5 billion pop-ups and stuff. The only one who wins from these things are, are is the platform that's advertising them. So, I mean, you can make a meme and then point it to a product, but literally people are there just to see the meme. <laughs> and then when they see their product, they go on because they're so desensitized to ads these days because of those sites and those things. Cause that's all they, yeah. you know, that's all they do is show ads um, with it. So people who 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 are used to seeing those things or, or or who you know search out funny pictures and stuff like that they are already trained to ignore ads so it yeah. doesn't really work anyway i mean back you know like again you know five ten years ago that would have worked great but these days people now have seen it it's something they're used to and they're not gonna take it i think this is why facebook advertising is so effective because it it sort of puts the ad when you're curating content it doesn't do it when it doesn't interrupt your enjoyment of content. It's, so it's a very interesting uh, system. Unless you're watching a Facebook it. video. <clears throat> yeah. Who, who does that? <laughs> anyway, we had we now have the final uh, self-promotion mistake is follow for follow. I hope this one is obvious. It's probably the most obvious. Don't follow for follow. It clearly never works. If you just follow someone simply because they followed you back, there's no interaction engagement. A lot of these social media sites now even will penalize you if you have low engagement to like to a low ratio of followers to engagement because you clearly um, are being disingenuous so <laughs> don't do follow for follow be authentic that's really the, the key if we could like, summarize this whole podcast is be authentic in your self-promotion and be patient it's gonna be a lot better for you than trying to find some hack or cheap trick that's going to get followers or get you exposure Fo- follow for follow has been around since like the stone age I mean, literally, like if you go before, you know, if you, if you, if beginning of the internet, traffic exchanges, you know, I don't know if you remember these things, this might be a bit before your time, Sean, but a lot of people would join these things called traffic exchanges. And it's like a little community of people who've all signed up and you have like a little banner on the bottom of your site saying, oh, here's another site like mine. And when they click on it, it takes them to a person to another random site in the traffic exchange. So everyone's ever, you know, they. So the idea was you're hopefully passing traffic to others and they're passing traffic to you. But in most cases, the sites weren't related and they had nothing to do with each other. And of course, that's why you probably haven't heard of them because they're no longer around. There are a couple 
still left in existence, but I mean, traffic exchanges, because like, oh, you know, if I get traffic I sent to you and you get traffic sent to me, we'll benefit. It, it, most of the time it doesn't work. <laughs> yep. There are no hacks. There are no cheap tricks. In fact, I'm really bad. I do have an Instagram, but it's for my photography. And a lot of people follow me. And I've actually got a few messages from people like, well, how come you didn't follow me back? <laughs> I'm like, because I'm not interested in what you got. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's uh, I think Instagram's notorious for that. People follow you, hopes that you follow them back, and then they unfollow you. And it's like, oh, I just got a follower. Well, that's because you can only follow so many people, right? I think the uh, there used to be a technique out there where, yeah, you'd, you'd literally follow people, and then you wait like three days for them to follow you back. And if they didn't follow you back in three days, you delete the follow and then add new follows. That was going around for a while, too. There's so many little, you know, scroogey things out there like that. Or Or my favorite is you pay for likes. I'm going to pay and have oh, yeah. all these people like my phone. Fo- yeah. It doesn't do anything anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, it may work slightly in YouTube, but I don't recommend it. Um, you could pay people to watch your video to get more video coverage time, but you know, to get higher in the search algorithm, they call it. But uh, I don't recommend that. This actually reminds me of a, an interesting, um, like, like we said, it's always good to have competition. Always good to have different platforms out there. One that I've come across is Odyssey. And it's a very interesting mm-hmm. streaming platform. It's a competitor to YouTube. And what's interesting is that it uses a cryptocurrency on its platform. So what ends up happening is as you engage with the site, as you watch content, as you follow people, as people watch and follow your content, you get this currency, which you can then spend to boost your own videos or boost other videos and that they will then rank higher. So it does what YouTube does but it puts it into the hands of the creators and the users of the site. So it's, it's a more, because you might watch like a, a Mr. Beast video and you might watch it, but you never want, like you just watch that because you're kind of killing time and you, you know, it's not necessarily something that you'd, you'd watch and want other people to watch. So, but, but by you watching it, it's going to promote it in the algorithm on for, for, you know, and the entire platform. Well, on something like Odyssey, you could watch a Mr. Beast video and be like, oh, that's interesting, but I'm not going to you know, boost that. But then you might find something like a really helpful tutorial. It's like, oh, this is a really helpful tutorial. I'm definitely going to boost this and help help other people find this content because it was really helpful. So that's I think it, it, there's going to be a nuance there, which you're not going to get on on YouTube. So it's, a, it's an interesting platform. And I think it, it, it's going to make that sort of curation of content a bit more natural or organic or, or truthful, I suppose, rather yes. than being relied on on clickbait, which is what YouTube's now turned into massive clickbait mm-hmm. because everyone's trying to get views and so that the algorithm will automatically boost them on the platform. Well, so this kind of takes away the, the need for clickbait because it's not going to do anything. Um, if people don't find your content helpful or useful, they're not going to personally boost it and it, your, your stuff's not going to rank then. There's a free speech movement going on because there's so much censorship going on in the world these days and people are tired of it. And guess what? YouTube's owned by Google. Uh, Ta-da. So if you get barred from Google, like I have, <laughs> you lose your YouTube rights. Um, so it's all one big yeah. happy family. So that's, like I said, diverse. In fact, a couple of the channels I watch on YouTube, they always say, hey, if, if my content is not on here, head over to Odyssey. I'm on Odyssey as a backup. Um, it's always, like I said, so it's many, always good to have a backup. It's always good to diverse. And so many YouTube channels have been flagged by AI, like exactly what we've had on on Facebook, where they accidentally get, I you know there's like a, you've broken their terms of service, but there's no nothing specific. And you know, people use YouTube as their livelihood. So it, it's, it's a really challenging place to make a living if you're relying on, on YouTube to, to reach your customers. So uh, it's, it's always very good to have competition out there. So yep. check out Odyssey. 
Speaking of competition, it's always good to have competition in your organic traffic. Uh, some other sources that we've covered in previous podcasts, I just want to quickly mention uh, Board Game Geek. That's like the number one you know board game forum out there. Or actually, it's more like a database because it's got like everything and it ranks everything. It's got all the mechanics and stuff. If you're going to do a game, board game, make sure you're on Board Game Geek. That's another way of getting an audience and getting people. Uh, one that's been working out very lately this last year that we've been using and our clients have been using is Tabletop Simulator. Um, at that, you know, brings in a, 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 almost like a cross, you know, of, of, of a genre of people, because there's always people who like games overall. And if they see your game on tabletop simulator, it's free to try out and they play it and they like it. Guess what? They're going to get invested in your board game and buy your board game. Another option, uh, that we haven't really discussed too much, but, uh, print and play demos. Those work very well. Now I know as a creator standpoint, people get worried because they're literally giving someone a game, their game away for free hoping they don't steal their idea or whatever. But trust me, I haven't really seen it happen. So, I mean, you give out your game. If they really like it, they're going to want to invest and get like the real thing. So like you have a little paper demo, you know, they're going to want the real standees. They're going to want the real board. They're going to want the the real stuff on your game. So that's another option um, to move your game through. Um, Andrew's doing another one that, I, that works great for organic traffic is conventions. Game conventions do great if you have a prototype head over to like the little game section of your local convention and share your game and then get them on your email list, which is also another thing you want to do for organic traffic is to have an email list, choose your favorite email. Um, I was going to say email spammer, choose your favorite email publisher. <laughs> sounds like a, a who's, good email. Who's, who's your favorite these days, Sean? I, I haven't done email publishing in a while. I used to use MailChimp cause it was free for a while. And now I have no yeah, idea what's going on. MailerLite seems to be a better contender. They've got better automation features. It's a bit easier to set up, and I think their pricing is a bit more reasonable. So MailerLite yes. right now is the, the problem with MailerLite is that if you reach a certain number of subscribers, you have to get verified. So that to keep on verify, it can be very irritating, especially if you're about to launch on Kickstarter and suddenly you have to verify. <laughs> you know, you can't send out this emails. Will take two days. You're like, so, no. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> that can be the disadvantage of MailerLite. So you want to be sensitive to that. Always kind of you know, be well prepared, always like kind of upgrade to, so you have plenty of, of leg room before um, launching our Kickstarters, my recommendation. And now finally, here is my secret, secret, super duper source to organic traffic that no one has really talked about. This is why people have listened to our podcast for the whole hour so far. Or Text messaging. Where we're at. What is it? <laughs> Text messaging. Most no, um, this actually came to me. Now this is untested. So this is not a verified tested source. But a lot of these games, these Kickstarter games are ending up on eBay. And okay. people know that because people people miss out like they're like Seventh Continent. It was on Kickstarter. I really wanted it. I didn't have the money at the time, but I really loved it. So now I always scan eBay for it. <laughs> Guess what? There are tons of Kickstarter games on eBay. Now, usually the ones that have already been produced and sold sell for about maybe i think on average about twice as much what they were bought for so like you'll see a lot of games on there for in the 200 range that that gets sold on ebay however if you got some prototypes that are sitting around not doing anything this is a humongous opportunity for you to get that extra source of eyes on ebay by posting them and selling them on ebay in fact, you could sell you could sell your prototype on eBay, and at the same time, you can advertise your Kickstarter because you say, "Here, this is a really cool prototype. We have it now. You can get it within two days if you buy this now." And then, uh, however, a lot of people watch it, and you could be like, "Guess what? 
if you want the total real thing, click over to our Kickstarter page and get it there. So this, I think, would be a really cool opportunity to try out if you have the, the time and the prototypes uh, to do so. Because I think you can sit there and really make a a really cool ad on <laughs> call it free. And it's free. Uh, eBay allows you yeah. to uh, advertise for free until your item gets sold. So even if it <laughs> even if you don't, let's say you don't want to sell it, but, you know, just, just in case, you know, someone might buy it, even if you don't want to sell it, you, know, you can put it up for a high market price, but eyes are still going to see it. So that's mm-hmm. almost like a free advertising because you don't have to pay to post a, an ad these days until you sell it. So you can sit there. In fact, I got a couple things sitting on eBay that I've been trying to sell, which I'm, apparently I'm a horrible eBay seller because um, they've been sitting in my closet forever and I haven't sold them yet. So maybe I should lower the price. But I have all these, I have at least, I think on one of my products, I have like 24 watchers. So I think they're, they know it's it needs to go down in price and they're waiting for it to go down in price. So, I mean, literally you have people who are watching your ad. And so if you do an ad on eBay for your game, if you have a prototype, put it up there and make it turn it into one big marketing piece for your for your crowdfunding game. I think that would be really cool. I haven't heard of anyone trying it yet. So this is like the secret super organic traffic from so your If you try it and it works out, let us know. And we'll interview yes. you on the podcast. Because then it'll be the SEO Wizards organic traffic method number, secret method number one. If it fails, don't call us, please. So with that said, that concludes this week's episode of Crowdfunding Nerds. And like we said, there's a lot of cool things to check out. Uh, of course, always visit our Facebook group and join it, Crowdfunding Nerds Community. Also, very, very, very soon... We will be having our new course, and this is going to be great. It's going to be priced way lower than what we we charge for our clients because we want to make sure that everyone can afford it and do it if they can't afford our services. Um, So we're going to have this great course. It's going to come out. It's affordable. It's going to be step-by-step blueprints on how to go from the very beginning to your Kickstarter launch. And that's, of course, what this podcast is about as well. And it's always free, so you're always welcome to listen to us every week and get that news. And of course, if you need to go back and listen to some other previous podcasts, because we always throw things in the notes, but just in case, visit us at crowdfundingnerds.com. Our podcasts are listed there, as well as our services, uh, if you need to work with us directly, are there. So go ahead and visit crowdfundingnerds.com, hit the Hire Us button, fill out the uh, questionnaire, and we'll contact you and help you on your Kickstarter journey. So until then... Stay cool, stay classy, we'll see you next week, and stay nerdy.